So um, uh, I'm, ju I'm just going to speak to you. Um, you know, last Sunday, we, we've been talking about missional processes, and I think we've been dwelling just on two issues. Uh, as we talk about the missional church and the mi missional believers, the issue of being intentional, of living a life of faith, and the issue of being an example. Uh, uh, sorry, sort of. Uh, what, what have you covered? Intentional and being an example, yes. That's what we've covered. Of the five things, we've covered two. The issue of being intentional, of living a life of faith, and the issue of being an example uh, to the world around us. The whole question of somebody needs to look up to you and I, right? Somebody needs to look up to our lives and how we're living for God. Our stories of salvation must be inspirational, must inspire somebody, and somebody must absolutely envy you and I. That's the issue that we've been covering. And uh, I think last Sunday... Uh, there were a couple of things. I think we landed last Sunday with an emphasis on the grace of God. Remember? Uh, the grace of God must show. Uh, it must be evident that we are people who have received the grace of God. I think uh, Tami was facilitating beautiful CPI last Tuesday. Eh? And, and he did quote the scripture in Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Um, verses 11 and 12. That the grace of God that brings salvation has, uh, has appeared to all men. And that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The grace of God. The Word of God teaches about grace both as unmerited favor, this favor that we have received from God, that we are saved not by works, not because of anything that we have done, not because we were good people, we, we, we were not deserving of the grace of God, but God provides his grace. So we understand grace in that way. But also the word of God teaches about grace as a resource. Grace is given. Not only is grace a favor of God allocated to an undeserving people, but grace is actually a resource that arrives in, in, in my life, in your life. And the point about last Sunday was that it's good to show that we are people who have received grace. Yeah? What does say? Grace has been given. Grace has been given to each one of you. Grace has been given. So now that's one issue I felt that exploded last Sunday as we taught the word of God. The whole idea of the grace of God. The grace that has arrived in my life must provide the evidence of life. You know, there are all sorts of teachings around grace these days, and some are not actually biblical. Um, the idea, for instance, that, oh, grace means I just leave, I just be, because I have received grace, that's not true. The grace of God must produce the evidence of works and of a transformed life. That's what we believe in this church, right? So it's got to show that we're people of grace. But the one other thing that I want to actually speak about today, that you know, was exploding in my heart as we were teaching last Sunday is the whole issue of a spoken word. The spoken word of God. The spoken word of God. The need to reprioritize in this post-pandemic new ecology life. The spoken word of God as a trigger for faith. And so we are talking about that today. And I... And, um, and because we talk about faith and spoken word and hearing, I thought I would demonstrate it by shutting off the projector. 
and and let's just do the let's exercise our hearing the spoken word of god triggering faith and 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 exploding within our own hearts and how we need to reemphasize in this new ecology post pandemic the need the priority for the spoken word of god the spoken word of god and i want to start us off um reading that scripture in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 14 and 17. Um, verses 14 and 17. The spoken word and faith, that's what we are dealing with. And, and, and I thought I'd just, you know, as a, man, as a way of introduction, highlight the fact that last Sunday the issue of grace was fell with weight, but also this issue of the spoken word of God inside of our own lives. Romans chapter 10 Let's read verses 14 and 17. It says, And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? And then in verse 17 it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How? shall they hear without a preacher and there's a whole lot of stuff that you can begin to think about inside of that verse 14 the need for meetings such as this one for people to gather to hear the preaching of the word of God the preaching of the word of God that's why we talk about we talk about the spoken word of God and how that triggers faith within our own hearts and how we want to re-emphasize in this new ecology the priority to, 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 to bring ourselves in the environment of the spoken word. What kind of word? Spoken word. That we are not a people who rely simply on notes and um, uh, it's good to take notes, but we're not a people who rely on that WhatsApp message that's going to come and... and and, or some historical report of what may have taken place in the last couple of meetings, but that we present ourselves in the environment of the spoken word of God because that is actually important for us to be walking in the power of faith. How shall they hear without a preacher? It's important that there are churches that mobilize meetings such as this one so that the word of God is spoken. How? Shall they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So in context, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we can interpret that as meaning, well, I need to go to God and pray and hear his voice, and that's true. But in context, that word, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, when it talks about hearing the word of God, it is talking about hearing the spoken word of God as in such a meeting such as the one we are in. That we present ourselves to gatherings to hear the word and that, that stimulates an environment of faith within our own hearts. How shall they hear without a preacher, without someone exposing the word of God, without someone opening the books and proclaiming the word of God? And, but that, when that happens, faith begins to come upon the people. Faith begins to emerge within the hearts of the people. As they hear the word of the Lord, 
faith comes to them. Which means the opposite is true. If we have drought in the word or drought of the word, of the word of God, there's not going to be faith within our own hearts. The message translation in Romans 10 verse 17 says, the point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. That's the message translation. The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, then there's nothing to listen to. The word of God must be preached so that we have something to listen to. The passion translation, the passion translation of the same word in Romans 10, 17 says, faith then is birthed in, the, in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Faith then is birth. Faith emerges in inner heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Basically, Romans 10 verse 17 is telling us that it is impossible to be a people walking in the power of faith if we are not exposing ourselves to the spoken word of God. 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 In that same chapter in Romans 10, verse 18, it says, But I say, in verse 18, Have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So Paul is asking these questions and answering himself all at the same time. Have they not heard? Have the people of LSA not heard? Then he says, Yes, indeed. There's a sound of the preaching of the word of God that has gone out to all the earth and there are words that have been released and because of that there is reason to have faith and the two words that I want to bring to our attention is the word sound. Paul says there's a sound of the preaching of the word that's gone out and that word sound means to utter a clear sound it describes a musical note, a musical, a melody, hearing. It's almost like a conductor instructing you so that you may repeat after himself. It's almost like Uncle Keeks telling the worship team how to do this, how to sing. And, and having to pitch yourself, having to frame yourself on the basis of the sound of the note that you are hearing. So the sound of the preaching has gone out and we need to listen to that sound and repeat that sound. That's the idea. Then he also says, the words have gone out. And that word words, the words of preachers, that word words is the word rhema, which means the, the utterance. In context, he's talking about words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit to which we must be exposed. We have to come and hear. So Paul is saying, it's not enough that we are not exposing ourselves to the word of God and just relying on some note or maybe some WhatsApp text about something. He's saying, hey, people must come and actually hear the sounds and the words of preachers. It says, when you have sounds and words of preachers, then you have the environment of faith. And people can start to rise up in faith and begin to believe God 
for their lives and for the season and for whatever the God wants to do through their lives. Have they not heard? Yes, indeed. They have heard the sounds. There are musical notes. There has been a proclamation of the word of God as we have been talking about the need to become a missional church. And as we've been talking about kingdom humanity, the word of kingdom humanity, a, a note has been released into your heart that you are now called to repeat out there in life. Sound has emitted. Sound has been released. But not only sound, words, rhema, the utterances of the Spirit of God or the inspired preaching of the Word of God to which we must be exposed and that we must engage with. Important that I come to a gathering such as this one to hear the proclamation of, of, of God's word, the sound of the Spirit of God and the words that are being proclaimed inside of this time. The question that arises out of Romans chapter 10 verse 18 is what sound am I surrounding myself with? What are the sounds, what are the notes that surround my life? What sound am I surrounding myself? Because that determines the, you know, whether there's going to be capacity for faith or not. You see in the story of, 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 of Adam and Eve in, in the garden, that Eve began to surround herself with the sound of the snake. She exposed her heart to a wrong note. She surrounded herself with a wrong sound, a wrong command. It came from the snake. And not only did she do that, she took that and influenced her husband with that same sound. The issue is that when we've exposed ourselves to a wrong sound, we also equally influence those around us. What sound am I surrounding myself with? What are the notes that I'm hearing inside of my heart? Who is speaking into me? What is the nature of the table of my fellowship? What are the words that are speaking into my heart? Because that determines whether or not I will have the power to believe the word of God or not. Faith comes by hearing, but it's got to be the hearing of the word of God, not some other stuff. What sound am I surrounding myself with? Have, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, a sound of preaching and of preachers has gone out to all the earth and the words of preachers to the ends of the world. Sounds and words. Sounds, musical note. Words is utterance. So the idea of utterance is that it's, it's not a thing that I, I need to be reported about. It's a thing that I need to engage with in the moment. Words or sound as it is released in the moment. I need to engage with that and let God use that inside of my own heart. Take me to wherever that God wants to take me to. What sound am I surrounding myself with? <clears throat> now, let's take a few steps back and read from verse 8, Romans chapter 8. Because it's actually a powerful chapter. This. <clears throat> Paul is building up in Romans to where he says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
In Romans 10 verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And there Paul identifies the origination point of that word of faith. He says it does not initially or originally, you know, originate from your heart. He says it is firstly preached. That word that is near you, that word that is in your mouth must be preached first. In other words, you and I must be exposed to the preaching of the word of God. What does it say? Verse 8. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, Paul says, we preach. So he identifies himself and the group and the team that he's working with. That we are preaching a word to you, Romans. We are preaching a word to you, LSA. And that word is near you. That word is in your mouth. That same word that we preach is the word of faith. It is in your mouth and is in your heart. In verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says in verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? And he continues. <clears throat> now, we normally would talk about this scripture in the context of evangelism when someone is getting saved. And yes, it applies in that context, but Paul is writing this to a church, not to a group of sinners who need to be saved. So we have to, in context, understand that. So in its primary context, not a word, this Romans 10, not a word that's limited to somebody needs to be saved, and so therefore we open Romans chapter 10. We can and we do, but in context, it is written, this word, to a church in Rome. So, if it was 2023, he would be writing, writing to this church, to LSA, a church in Durban. So he's writing to born-again believers already. And he's explaining something about how spiritual things work. And the subject of the matter is the issue of righteousness that comes by faith. And he's making a distinction between the righteousness that comes by law and the righteousness that comes by faith. So the subject matter inside of the scripture is righteousness that comes by faith. The word righteousness meaning alignment with God. To find yourself in a correct position with God. To find yourself in complete harmony with what God wants to do inside of your own life. So Paul is giving us a technology, a principle of how to step into a season of harmonious living with divine will. And yes, for the sinner, that begins with, you need to confess Jesus. But like I said, in context, Paul is writing this letter to a born-again group of believers in Rome. <clears throat> Spirit-filled, 
already walking with Jesus, and he's explaining to them how they might step into a season of harmony with what God wants to do inside of their lives. A righteousness that comes by faith. And if righteousness is alignment with God, then the question is, how do we align with God? That's what Paul is addressing. How do a people of LSA come to a place of alignment with what God wants to do inside of their own lives? How do we step more powerfully into this new ecology of God and step into the purposes of God? And how do we more powerfully become this missional community that God is calling us to be? That's the question that is being asked here. And Paul begins by saying it's not going to be by law. It's not going to be by a simple or mere you know, observation of a bunch of instructions to perform them. He says there is a different mechanism, and he calls it a righteousness by faith. That's what he calls it. And then he begins to outline how that actually works. He says, first of all, you must be exposed to the preaching of the word. The word must be preached to you. He calls it the word of faith, the word that we preach. The word must be preached to you. That's the thing that is after. And remember, he, he begins to quote the, the prophets later on in the scripture, Isaiah, about going out and, and, and the beautiful feet of those who bring the good news of God to people. The idea that God sends a prophet to proclaim what God wants and the people must believe the word of the prophet and align themselves by faith in this, in this context to the words of the prophet. The word must be preached to us. We've got to be exposed to the word of God as much as possible. We've got to be exposed to the word of faith. So in verse 8 it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we, Paul and the team, preach to you. Which we, elders, preach to you. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. And so Paul begins to highlight the need for a correct relationship between the people and the word that is being proclaimed. He says that word must be near you. You have to position yourself in proximity to that word. And how do you do that? By opening your heart and by aligning yourself with that word, by accepting that word inside of your own heart. So Paul says, firstly, the word must be preached. How do you usher a people to a place of harmonious living with God's divine will? First, first thing is that the word of God must be preached. Must be preached. The second thing that Paul addresses here is that the people must walk in proximity with that word. The word is near you. The word is in your heart. People must walk in proximity with that word. People must open their heart, must embrace that word inside of their own lives. They must walk in proximity. They must not let the word of God depart from their heart. The word of God to Joshua, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. People must embrace this word and must, must walk in proximity to that word. That's the second thing that Paul addresses inside of this technology, inside of this principle 
that he's giving us. Number three, Paul says, the word that is preached to people must bring us to a place of confession. Of confession. 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 And again, let's take it out of a sinner, someone who needs to accept Jesus, confessing Jesus is Lord. Remember, we're talking about the fact that Paul is writing to people who already have been saved, and he is teaching them on how to step into a place of harmonious living with the will of God. Is that the word of God must bring us to a place of confession. That word confession means to align yourself, to agree and to align with something that has come from God. So the word confession is not just about you come to the front and you say a prayer. It is about the shifting of the heart to align myself with what God is actually saying. That's what that word means, to confess. Alignment, that's what that, that word means. I need to bring my heart to a place of alignment with what God is saying. That's what Paul says. People must confess that word. Of course, it has an element of actually uttering the same thing that I'm hearing. But the first thing that must happen is that my heart must shift to come to a place of alignment with what I'm hearing something from God. And I need to align myself with that thing. And fourthly, Paul says, then we come to a place of calling on the name of the Lord. And we call on the name of the Lord within the framework of the word that God has given us. Within the framework of the word that God has given us. So firstly, the word of God must be preached. We have to be exposed to the word of God. Almost like being exposed to a virus. The word of God has got to be preached. That's the first thing. We've got to expose ourselves to the word of God. Paul says, the word that we preach, that is your word of faith. The word that we preach is your word of faith. The word of God must be preached. That is, that is, that is the first thing that Paul identifies. And once the word of God is preached, he says, we've got to come to a place of alignment. You know, that we have to walk in proximity with that word. There has to be a degree of relationship with that word. We've got to embrace that word inside of our own heart. And then we've got to begin to confess it, number three. Confessing as in aligning our heart, taking time to check my heart, that my heart celebrates the word of God. It, my heart is aligned with the word of God. And then Paul says, then we can call on the name of the Lord. Because God wants us to call on his name. But the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, in verse 11, and verse 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The question is, is, we all have a bunch of things that we need to call on the name of the Lord for. How many of us know that? That there are challenges and mountains and things that surround us. And things that, things that want to stand on your way. Of stepping into a place of alignment with that word that we're receiving from God. We've got to call on the name of the Lord. But as you call on the name of the Lord, we have to do so standing upon the word that has been preached to us. And that's how Paul says we might step into a place of harmony with the word of God. The spoken word produces our sense of faith within us. We've got to expose ourselves as though we're exposing ourselves to some virus 
we need to be infected by that word. We can't stand you know, from, from a distance in relation to that word. But we can't be distant. We need to come close and allow the word of God to expose us to, to the energy of God, to the life of God. And that's important. So the spoken word is important for us, LSA. It's important that we're exposing ourselves to the spoken word. And we can ask the question, why must I engage the spoken word? Because the spoken word produces enduring faith inside of my heart. The spoken word produces enduring faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, quoting the Passion Translation, faith then is birth in a, in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one, of the, of the Messiah, of Christ. Faith is born in the heart that responds to God's anointed one. And so Paul is teaching us how we might step into that place of harmony with the things of God. Why must I engage the spoken word? Because the spoken word produces faith inside of my heart. Earlier in the book of Romans, Paul would have used Abraham as an example of how Abraham walked in the promises of God and how Abraham believed the word of God inside of his own heart. In Romans chapter 4, and Paul is quoting Genesis 17, he's talk about the journey of Abraham and how Abraham confronted stubborn realities inside of his own life. The fact that he was old and that his wife was barren. Here's what God had said to Abraham in Genesis 17 verses 1 to 6. <clears throat> in Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, there we go, the spoken word of God. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. This is what God said. We cannot have faith without the reality of God speaking to us. We've got to be hearing something from God. Faith is not, is not an expression of emotional energy. Faith is a substance that enters into my heart because I've heard a word from God. So the journey to a place of faith begins with what am I hearing? If you went to Abraham, he would say, what well, I'm hearing God saying, I'm going to be the father of me. Hearing God say, walk before me and be blamed. I'm hearing God instruct me to walk in holiness. I'm hearing God Talk to me about a destiny of many nations. That became the reason for Abraham's living, for Abraham's existence. Without a word that we are hearing, our existence becomes meaningless. We have nothing to believe God for. Faith is not the eruption of emotions. Faith comes because we have heard. Amen? Faith comes 
Because we have heard. Faith comes because we have heard. Faith is not the eruption of emotions. Faith comes because we have heard. Abraham heard something from God. And what God spoke into Abraham in Genesis 17, he spoke into issues of his own identity. He shall be named Abraham. He gave him the command to walk and be blameless. And God gave him the promise that he would be the father of many nations. Basically, three things that God spoke to Abraham in that scripture. He gave him identity. Your name shall be Abraham. He imparted into Abraham a sense of character, of blamelessness. Walk before me and be blameless. And then he released a promise, purpose. So God spoke a word of identity to Abraham. You shall be called Abraham. No longer are you called, are you to be called Abraham, but Abraham, <clears throat> there's identity, which means that God was really speaking into Abraham's state of mind. Because identity is your sense of self. And our sense of self has to be healthy in order to step into the things of God. Now it's like Israel, we see ourselves as grasshoppers before the giants of, uh, you know, before the Anakites. Our sense of self has to be healthy in God. So God speaks a word of identity to the man, Abraham. God speaks a word of character, be blameless, walk in holiness. That was the state of his life. And God speaks a word of purpose. I shall make you a father of many nations. Identity, character, purpose. Identity, character, and purpose. And those three things had to work in harmony. And sometimes we can have a great purpose, but our identity is not in alignment with that purpose. It still will not work. We can have a great purpose, but our character, if our character is not in alignment with that purpose, things will still not work. And so, Interesting that Abraham is already on a journey from Genesis chapter 12, called out by God. Only in Genesis 17, God begins to fix him. He says, hey, it's great that you are already on a journey. It's great that you have left the, 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 the land of your fathers. But there's still things inside of you that need to be fixed. Your identity needs to be fixed. Up until Genesis chapter 17, this man is still called Abraham. And God sees the need. And we know that names in the Bible represent identity all the time. God sees the need to speak and to define his identity. Your name is Abraham. And the second thing that God does, he speaks to define his character. He must be blameless. He must be holy. He must be righteous. And the third thing that God does is that he speaks to define his purpose. You shall be a father of many nations. And so we see identity working hand in hand with character, working hand in hand with purpose. There's no stepping into the things of God if there is no alignment between identity, character, and purpose. And we're tracking Paul as he speaks to the Romans, and we're going to read Romans chapter 4 just now. And as he builds in this matter of faith, because that's where really, uh, that's the, the issues of faith or the theme of faith is one of the key themes in the book of Romans. As Paul has exposed these believers, you know, to the principles of how 
faith in God works. So God takes Abraham on a journey, takes him out of the land of Ur, but up until Genesis 17, there are things that are dysfunctional about this man. There are things that are lacking. There are things that need to be brought to a place of alignment. His name is not correct, which means his identity is not in alignment with what God wants to produce inside of his own life. And so God sees the need to rename him. Which means not only must we come out of the lands of U and of idolatry, we need a new naming from God. We need a new identity from God. And God often does that. Uh, remember Jacob renamed Israel. You know, as he steps into the things of God, there was a need for the man to be renamed. And so God fixes his identity. God emphasizes the need for the man to, be, to, to walk blame and be blameless before God, which is the issue of character. And then God speaks to him about purpose that he would be the father of many nations. What is Abraham's response to that thing? And that's where we build from in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. So when God comes to Abraham, a man already on a journey, a man already excited about the things of God and pursuing the things of God, a man already that has left the land of Ur, the land of his fathers, the land of idolatry, the man who's already in pursuit of God, and God says, well, there are things that need to be fixed about you, Abraham, identity, character, and then let me give you and re-emphasize purpose. You shall be the father of many nations. Abraham responds by faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be, without weakening, in verse 9. In his faith, he faced the fact. He faced effect. So the journey of faith is one in which we have to face a bunch of realities. Yeah? He faced the fact. What was the fact? That his body was as good as dead. So the faith does not look away from unfavorable realities. Faith faces stubborn realities. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb, this fact number two, Sarah, Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief. Why does he not waver? Because he's had something. He's not on a journey of emotional faith. He's on a journey of conviction-based faith. That's what he's on a journey you know, that's the journey that he's on. He's not on a journey of emotional faith. He's on a journey of conviction-based faith. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. The promise means God had spoken to the man, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what? What God had promised. God had power to do what God had promised. This is why it was credited to him, that is Abraham, as righteousness. So we learn a bunch of things from Abraham here about the spoken word producing faith 
inside of our own. The spoken word of God to Abraham was released in a bunch of unfavor and unfavorable conditions. There was barrenness, which means there was dysfunctionality that surrounded Abraham. There was the abnormality in the womb of his wife. <clears throat> there was incapacity in Abraham's life because he was old. There were these opposing realities that he faced and that he did not look away from. There was hopelessness. That's the environment in which the man receives a word from God. It's one of death and absence of life, hopelessness, of opposing realities, of incapacity and of dysfunctionality. Death and absence of life, hopelessness. There was nothing to hold on to. Opposing realities was his wife was barren and Abraham himself was old. He was incapacitated in that thing that God spoke. And there was dysfunctionality in that his wife's womb was barren. That's the context of reception of the word of God. And Abraham's response of faith is absolutely amazing for us. In verse 17, Romans 4, as it is written, I have made you a, 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 a father of many nations. Um, he is our father in the, in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God... What kind of God he believed in? The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. The God who gives life to the dead and who calls things that are not as though they were. So the faith of Abraham worked on two things. Once God had spoken his word to him, the faith of Abraham focused on the restorative acts of God. He believed in God's power to restore because he is the God who gives life to the dead. That speaks of restoration, right? The God who brings the dead things back to life. And so Abraham believed that God could bring dead things back to life. So he believed in the restorative power of God. That's the first thing that he believed in. When the word of God is spoken to us, we've got to believe in the restorative power of God. The second thing that Abraham believed in was in the creative power of God. God who calls things that are not as though they were. Two things that we see in Romans 4 that constituted the faith of Abraham. One was belief in the restorative power of God. What are the areas of restoration that we have to believe God? What are the areas of restoration that we have to believe God? What are the things that are already dead that must be brought back to life? inside of our own spaces. The second thing that Abraham, you know, channeled his faith towards was in the creative power of God, the God who calls the things that are not yet there. What are the things that are not yet there, but that constitute the promise of God inside of our own heart that we must believe God for? Two areas of focus in Abraham's faith. In the restorative power of God, and in the creative power of God. The restorative power of God relates to those things that were there, that were part of our lives, that we have lost in, you know, for some reason, that have been stolen away by, by the spirit of death inside of our own lives, but that must be brought back to life in this new ecology. We've got to believe 
in the restorative power of God. God must restore things that used to be inside of our lives. But not only must God do that, God must also release his creative power to bring forth things we have never heard before. Amen. Things we have never heard before. The creative power of God. The God who calls things that are not. So there are two dimensions of God that Abraham focuses on. The God who gives life to the dead and the God who calls things that are not. The God who gives life to the dead and the God who calls things that are not. The restorative power of God and the creative power of God. And these are the things that we want to align ourselves with. God, I want to believe you for. I used to have this thing in my life. And the enemy stole it. The spirit of death stole it. It's dead now. I need it back to life. I need your restorative power to come again and to bring it back to life. The things that I used to have. But God, I also see in the, in the promise, in your promise in my life, that you've spoken about things I've never heard before, actually. And that really means that I need to depend on your creative power to bring those things into existence. I don't have that power. God does. Amen? I need, to, I, need, I need to believe in the let there be word of God inside of my life. He needs to bring into existence things that he has spoken about but that don't yet exist inside of my life. So the one thing is the restorative power of God. The second thing is the creative power of God. And we want to stand in alignment, Romans chapter 10, with God, I feel, LSA, inside of this time, and make a proclamation, yeah? Um, in, in line with the promise of God, because Paul says, you can only call on the name of the Lord on the basis of what he has spoken to you. Not out of your own. You don't go to your own emotional places. You've got to hear God and stand in that word. The word we preach, that is your word of faith. Well, that's what Paul says. Your word of faith is the word that we preach to you. And if you stand upon the foundation of that word, you can then believe in the restorative power of God and the creative power of God. He must bring back to life the dead things. Maybe in the areas of our devotion, maybe in the areas of our personal lives, maybe in the areas of our marriages, in, our, in the areas of our family. God must bring back to life the dead things. That's what we need to press in. In our families, in our children, in our vocational spaces, in our businesses. And can we hear, can you hear an arising faith within your own heart? To believe in the restorative power of God, the God who gives life to the things that are dead. But you are called not only to believe in that restorative power, you are called to believe in the creative power. The God who can speak, let there be. And then the phrase in Genesis chapter 1, let there be and there was. And what stands be between the utterance of God and his creative manifestation is your aligned faith. Amen. You need to stand in alignment with that promise of God and believe, hey God, you, your word can, can bring into existence things I have never experienced before. God calls things that are not 
as if they, they are. <clears throat> so we have to believe, we have to engage the spoken word of God because it releases an enduring faith as it did in the life of Abraham. Enduring faith inside of us. But we also have to engage the spoken word of God because the word of God is, 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 is quick and powerful. Right? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. We're reading from the NIV. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The New King James says the word of God is quick and active. We have to depend on the preaching of the word of God because the word of God is quick and active. That word quick is the root word for the word Zoe of God, the life of God. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they have life uh, to the fullest, right? Um, and so when Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is quick, as a verb for a root word for Zoe, which means we can't expect to have the Zoe of God without the word of God being spoken into our lives. The word of God is quick and the word of God is active. That word active means energy. It means inspiration. The power and the capacity to execute a bunch of things. The ability to transcend depressing moments and to rise up with the inspiration of the breath of God within our own hearts to do a bunch of things for God. The word of God is quick. The word of God is a source for Zoe, the life of God. The word Zoe means the, the quality of life that comes from God. A quality of life that comes from God. A godly life. A life that proceeds straight from the nature of God. We have no hope to step into a realm of divine life without a spoken word in our lives. The word of God is quick. But the word of God is also active. The word of God is energy. The word of God is capacity. The word of God is to be at work. That's what that word, that word active means. To be at work. The word of God launches us in a bunch of activities. It gives us the capacity to execute on behalf of God, which means we really don't depend on our own energy and our own flesh, but on the inspiration that comes through the spoken word of God. Why must we engage the spoken word? Because the word of God is quick and the word of God is active. Why must we engage the spoken word? Because the word of God strengthens us to build the life of Christ. In Ezra chapter 6 verse 14. The word of God strengthens us to build the life of Christ. So the elders in Ezra chapter 6 verse 14. The elders of the Jews built and they prophesied, they, they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of, of, of Edo. And they built and finished it. The elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying, through the spoken word. The elders of the Jews built and prospered through the spoken word of God inside of their own lives. And as prophets Haggai and Zechariah were prophesying, there was a strength to build that 
was rising up within the hearts of the builders. And they were able to build what God had promised, what instructed them to do, which was the temple of the Lord. We have no hope, let's say, to establish the life of Christ without the speaking of the word of God. Without the prophesying of the word of God. Without the proclamation arriving inside of our own hearts. We cannot build the things of God. It is impossible. It is impossible. The word of God strengthens us. It equips us in the process of building things of God. The life of Christ within our own context and within our own lives. When we hear the prophesying of the word of God, then we have the strength to build. The strength to build. Amen. The strength to build. The word of God is like rain. That's why we have to engage the spoken word. It is like rain. It creates conditions for the fulfillment of the purposes of God. Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The word of God is like rain. It creates conditions that are favorable in the purposes of God. What does rain do? In verse 10, Isaiah 55. <clears throat> the rain and the snow come down from heaven and they do not return to it without watering the earth. Watering the earth. And making it bad, making it favorable for the things of God to flourish, making it bad and to flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. The word of God is like rain. We need to engage the word of God. The word of God is like rain. We need to engage the word of God. The spoken word of God produces enduring faith. And when I read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. What happens when we have faith? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for, is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to flow to the glory of God. When we believe, we begin to speak. We begin to have utterance. We begin to have words. I believed, therefore I have spoken. When we believe, utterance comes out of our lips when we believe. That word I have spoken in some sense is used to describe the, 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 the man who has had no speech before coming to a place of, of being able to speak. Someone who's been dumb before and coming to a place where they can now begin to speak. But also that word 
is used, that word spoken is used to describe the, a child learning to speak. So the word of God, the spoken word of God gives you power, the power of speech, the power of proclamation. And we need proclamation. We need to take proclamation back to our spaces, right? You need to go into your space and you need to speak that word. And you're not going to do it without the power of faith. When faith arises within our own hearts, then we're going to find, let's say that, you have the power to proclaim within your spaces. You are like a child that comes to your place, ability to speak, the ability of speech, that if we have been mute before, you can now utter a bunch of things. And that change, the word of faith changes the atmosphere within your space and ushers in the things of God. Amen. I believe, therefore I speak. And, you know, we remember the, the story of, of, of Ezekiel, the prophet, in, the prophet in that popular story of the veil of dry bones. You know, the question from God is, can these dry bones live? And then he's instructed by God on what to say. As he hears, he speaks. And as he speaks, realities begin to change. Realities begin to change. It is not possible to walk in the power of faith without a spoken word of God. Faith is not an emotional energy. Faith comes through the conviction of the word of God. We need to expose ourselves to the word of God. And if in this missional process, we're going to be intentional people, people of faith, who by faith are going to do a bunch of things, LSA, then we need to expose ourselves to the word of God. Amen. A spoken word. Not only do I hear the word, but when the word is spoken into my heart, it triggers faith, and faith empowers me to speak. I believe, and therefore, I speak. Amen. I stand and pray to God.